0: interesting, isn't it, how such a simple passage of scripture, if we pay attention to it, can get us to ask some of the most difficult questions in life that we ask. It's interesting how a simple passage of scripture can, if we let it, kind of disturb us in different ways and take us to places that are a little darker. And I think that that's what this passage of scripture can do today. And on the surface of it, it's, it's, a, it's a healing passage, right? I mean, Derek has already read it this morning in this service. It's a story of where these disciples go and they heal. And someone who can't walk is able to stand up and walk again. And we see these kind of passages in all different places of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, right? We see that that blind people are able to see again and people who can't hear are able to hear again and people who can't walk are able to walk again and, and people even who have died can come back to life. But if we allow it, there's at least two questions that I would like us to ask today to engage what this passage of Scripture is saying. The first question is this do we believe this is true? Like, do we actually think this happened? Like, this is real. That John and Peter were actually walking, and there's this place, and these fishermen who had no medical training and no knowledge of, you know, how someone would be healed, and they didn't have, like, some sort of ancient technique that they, you know, we don't understand in modern... They didn't have any of that. They weren't trained in it. That they looked at this person who couldn't walk, and they said, you know, what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And gave him their hand, and this person jumps up and starts that starts praising god my guess is today that there are at least some of us that are going i don't know about that right (laughs) i don't know if i actually think that happened and if that's you and 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 it's just good to be honest about that you're in good company a lot of really 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 smart and influential people have had that reaction have gone "Uh, uh. one of the most famous is thomas jefferson Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence, the uh, third president of the United States, was really clear about this. It wasn't even like a hidden thing. He was really open with his friends that educated, rational, smart people don't actually think these things happen. So Thomas Jefferson kept a Bible next to his bed, on his bedside table, and it became known as the Jeffersonian Bible. And what Thomas Jefferson did is he took a razor blade and some glue and he just went through the New Testament and he removed all the different parts of it that he didn't like. Now, now let's be honest. You do that as well when you read the Bible. You probably don't take a razor blade, but there are certain things like, I don't know about that. But you just, I'll skip over that part and go to the rest. I do the same thing when I do it. Thomas Jefferson was just bold enough to actually like, print it and keep it at his bedside table and told his friends about it, right? And they took out all kinds of stuff. This passage of scripture we looked at from Acts 3 of someone getting up and walking around did not happen, did not make it into the Jeffersonian Bible. Easter, the resurrection, no way. Dead person coming back to life, Jesus was not resurrected. Virgin birth, Christmas, nope. Absolutely not. We know, we, we know it doesn't work that way, right? And, you know, rational people, that's what we understand. Feeding of the 5,000 with it, didn't happen. Lazarus coming back, to life didn't happen. You just remove everything that seems irrational, everything that requires you to believe in miracles, and then what you have are the moral teachings of Jesus. How to be a really, really nice person, because that's what Jesus wants. It's not something, I would be worried at some level if there wasn't a little piece of your brain going, I don't know if I, uh, you know, like, really? I admire Thomas Jefferson. He's influenced our country, he's influenced our world, he's influenced all of our lives in wonderful ways. He's a lot smarter than I will ever be. On this one, he's wrong. He's wrong. He's absolutely wrong. These stories happen. They happen. They're real. What you and I believe as followers of Jesus is that there is a brokenness that exists in this world that is a part of us, part of our lives, and part of this world. We experience it when we wake up and see news like what happened in Orlando that is horrible, horrible brokenness. It exists In our world when we experience illness like this person in the scripture passage when we have cancer or when we can't walk or when someone can't see that this is not how God created the world to be that these things God didn't make God didn't create cancer these are things that happen in the world as the world is fallen and broken and that what God is doing is constantly healing constantly reconciling constantly bringing wholeness to where there are broken lives and broken people like you and I People who have brokenness or sickness or maladies in us or around us or with those people we love. And God heals in a variety of ways, as you saw in the video. We believe that we live in an age where, thankfully, we have access and knowledge of medication and that God heals through that. So some people God heals through surgeons and through doctors and through dentists and through therapists, and through psychologists, and through nurses, and through psychiatrists, through modern medicine, God heals in all these different ways. And all of these things are the work of God happening around us, and we should give thanks for them. But there are also, friends, real events that take place that defy medical science and medical knowledge, as we see in this passage. And some of you have experienced them. Some of you have seen them. Some of you have experienced them and healing in your own life, and you know that it's true. We talked about this in staff meeting this week. And in our staff, as we looked at this passage, a number of us on staff were have to sit there and go, you know, I don't see this every day. It's certainly not normal. But I've seen this. I've seen something that can't be explained any other way, a, a healing that took place in someone's life. And I think of myself as a rational person. I didn't mean I am rational, but I think of myself as a rational person. I've experienced this. My family has experienced this. My life has been changed by a healing for which there is no medical or scientific explanation. To deny this is to deny many of your stories and to deny my story. And I'm not going to do that. And so no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how illogical it may seem, these stories are real. God heals. God changes. God transforms. God takes broken pieces and makes them whole again. And someday, if it hasn't happened already, you're going to be the one who has to offer this prayer like Peter does. Because John and Jill aren't going to be available. They're not going to be able to show up at the right. And you're going to have to be the one. And I want you to enter into those moments with expectation. And there'll be a part of you going, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Do it. Do it. God works in these ways. These aren't historical fiction. These aren't fairy tales. This happens. That's question number one. Does this stuff, do we really believe this? Does it really happen? Yes, it absolutely does. And that brings us to question number two. And question number two might even be more disturbing than question number one. Because if we say this is real, why doesn't God do it more often? If we say this is real, why doesn't God do it all the time? God can cure people of cancer. God has done that in our lives that we've seen. Just not my friend. God can can cure someone of infertility. It's happened. We in this community know that it has happened. Just not for me. God has delivered people in this community from addiction like that. Just not my child. If you and I are going to be a community that claims that stories like this are not fantasy and not fairy tales, then you and I have to be willing to go to that place in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own community and say, okay, Lord, so why not here? Because when we have those places and all of us know those times, it makes us feel forgotten and overlooked and undervalued it makes us wonder did we do something that god is healing somebody else and not me that god loves somebody else more and not me we have to be willing to go to those places and sit in those really painful experiences and questions and ask god okay so what's going on in this what's happening in the midst of it all and the text today that Derek read it actually invites you to do that Think about it, okay? In this section of scripture, you've got Peter and John and they're walking to the temple and they're at this beautiful gate and they're going in to pray and there's this guy who's asking them for alms. Well, one of the things we know in Jerusalem at the time was this beautiful gate. It wasn't just where this one person happened to be. It was a gathering place in the city for people who had different maladies who would ask God, who would ask people for alms just like this individual. And what doesn't happen in this passage is it doesn't say that everyone at the gate stood up and was healed of whatever they had. It says that this one person stood up and walked. Now, if you were at the gate at that time, or I'm at the gate at that time, and somebody, and Jerry's the one who gets healed, I'm gonna sit there and go, really? Jerry is who you pick? (laughs) Jerry's not even that nice when people aren't around. Like, you don't even know right and jerry's the one who gets healed and i don't know if you noticed the other you know 200 of us sitting in this room we've still got stuff right great for jerry Jerry's jumping around and praising god i'd love the chance i'd love to try it doesn't say that everyone in jerusalem who had ever struggled with anything was all of a sudden healed this one individual is and we have to even go further than that and ask the question what are our expectations when we think about that someone was healed right like if we're not careful, what we can do is think this. Oh, this one guy had this amazing experience and then he went on and had this amazing life that never struggled again and all these other people were just sitting there broken and had no hope and didn't feel loved. Well, that's not true either. It's not true that when, when, when someone is healed that all of a sudden they just kind of live forever and never have another struggle again. Think about it. Lazarus is one of the people we know. Lazarus is healed. Jesus raises him from the dead. Lazarus is not alive today. Not on this earth. Lazarus later died and he stayed dead. I'm, I'm being serious, right? All the people who experience healing, they're not alive in this world today either. We have to take ourselves out of this idea that if someone's healed now, it means that either God loves them or they just got this incredible experience and they'll never struggle again and I didn't get healed or my child didn't get healed and I'm just sort of sitting in the muck. We have to ask ourselves a critically important question. What are these healings about? What are they? Why do they happen? Because they're not just tickets to everything being great forever. What we believe these healings are, Tim Keller writes about this in some incredible ways, and what he says is that these healings have to be understood theologically. That what they are is that it's not just saying, oh, this person's better and you're not. What these healings are about is they are stories where God is using people, using Peter and John here, to what he says, restore the creation to the way it's meant to be, and giving a foretaste of what it will be in the end. Now listen to this, because this is really important healings are not tickets to I never struggle again in my life and that's not what they are in this world today That these healing stories are God restoring creation to the way it was in the beginning And giving a foretaste a preview A glimpse of what it will be like in the end it, that's the point of a healing Restoring creation and giving a foretaste of what will be It's a glimpse. It's a moment Where we see that in the beginning, in the garden, people were not made to not be able to walk or not be able to hear or not be able to see or to have diseases that take them of their life. God didn't make the world that way. Those things happen because of the fall, because of the sinfulness of people, because of the brokenness that just exists in creation today. The state of brokenness, things we can't even explain, but the world's not as it should be. God's restoring it to the way it was created to be in the beginning. And God is giving a foretaste of saying that in the kingdom of God that is coming, the new Jerusalem, heaven, eternity, whatever it is you want to call it, that this day that is coming, that all of us will experience is a day where there's no more pain and no more mourning and no more tears and no more loss and no more sadness. It is a place where cancer and heart disease and depression and postpartum, none of that exists anymore. It's gone. It's wiped clean. And so this is a glimpse, a healing story like this, healing that I've experienced in my life, healing that we've experienced as a community. These are glimpses of God restoring to what was and giving a preview, a foretaste of what will be. This is critically important because it changes how we see suffering in the world today. It changes how we respond when we have a diagnosis that doesn't go right, when our loved ones struggle, which all of us have. Because this healing is not make their life magically better. But what we're saying is that we're not looking at people who have these struggles and say, well, we hope they're healed. We're saying they will be healed. It's not that people who have cancer that we're hoping going, "I, I hope you get better, I hope that chemotherapy works. We do hope that, but cancer is eradicated. Depression is eradicated addiction is eradicated so for people of faith We don't sit there and go. I hope this happens what we say is lord. This will happen We know it will happen and what our question is is what's the timing and the way that this healing will take place Do you see the difference in that? It's not about going that the winners get healed and the losers don't It's about saying everyone through faith will be healed And the thing that we've got to have our eyes open to is, Lord, how do you want to do that? How are you going to do that in Jerry's life? How are you going to do that in my life? How are you going to do that in Beth's life? How are you going to do that in Kelly's life? How are you going to do that in all different kinds of ways? We're just kind of looking because it's going to happen. The story we are in, the last pages of the story have already been written. That changes everything. Everything. So how do we do that? Well, when I think about how we are to be like Peter and and John here, uh, I think about a couple, and I mentioned them before in a sermon, but that doesn't negate me being able to use them again, Um, so I'm going to. It's an older couple at a church where I first worked when I was in seminary many, 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 many years ago. uh, A church in Atlanta called North Avenue Presbyterian Church, and we were there, and in um, this ministry I was a part of, we were part of a college ministry, and we started this ministry, and it really started to grow. And one of the catalysts for growth was we had a Monday night worship service. This is great, really cool Monday night service, and um, it was amazing just sort of the things that happened there. Well, often in the service, and we've done this some here, uh, and we'll do it again here, is that we would have these kind of unscripted moments in worship. So we would have what we call these stations of worship. And so we would have, you know, the band would play and they'd play some music and people could stand there and sing and, and worship that way. There would usually be a communion station and we didn't come up row by row. People could just come up whenever they felt like it and take communion and then go back to their chairs. There were other stations around the room. People could pray in different ways. And then there was always this one station of this couple, Ed and Carolyn Van Winkle, who would show up. Now, Ed and Carolyn Van Winkle were a couple who were in their 80s. They They're both passed away now. Ed and Carolyn Van Winkle, Ed was a, worked in construction. He owned a construction company in Atlanta, incredibly successful. And they had this ministry of prayer and healing that they ran. Now, it wasn't like the stereotypes what we see. It wasn't big and shiny and flashy and in your face. And people. It was this quiet, steady, amazing prayer ministry that they ran. So you've got to imagine in a room like this, we would have a couple of hundred 18 or 19-year-olds and then this couple in their 80s. Who would be there and they'd be there through the whole service and when we'd have these moments ed and carolyn would just sort of go into a corner of the room and they would stand there and we would invite people who wanted prayer to go and pray with them so people would be walking around everywhere people would be singing they'd be moving all over the room and it often got awkward because when everyone had finished singing we had sang the same song 30 different times and we couldn't sing it again and and all people taking communion and everything else ed and carolyn would still have like 10 people lined up in a single file line these college students wanting to pray with them. And there was always this question that's like, I don't like, how long do we go, right? Like, how long do we keep everybody else going? Because these students were often in tears. And they would walk up one by one, and they would just pour their hearts out to Ed and Carolyn. They would be in tears. They would be crying. They would be talking about what they experienced or what had happened or what was going on in their families. And Ed and Carolyn would listen to each person. And then they would pray individually for each student. And then the student would, would go on. The thing that was so powerful for me about Ed and Carolyn, and it gets more profound as I get older, is the words that they would start each prayer with for the students. And it's the kind of prayer of the way I think that healing prayer actually works. If you want to pray for healing, this is the way I think to do it. Ed and Carolyn would listen to each student pour their heart out to them. And then, as the student finished, they would lay their hands on the student And the first words of every prayer were the same. Okay, let's see what God's going to do with this. Let's see what God's going to do with this. Why is that so profound to me? Why has that got to be the beginning of, I believe, any kind of healing prayer that we have? Well, because number one, it asserts with power that God heals. It asserts with power that God has not abandoned people who are hurting. It asserts with power that God has not walked away from anybody who is struggling with something in their life or has a malady or has a disease or is being impacted in some ways. Ed and Carolyn were saying God is here God is working. God has not forgotten you. God is right here in your midst. But what we're not gonna do, which so many people want to do, and it's understandable because it comes out of our pain and our difficulty, is we're not gonna tell God how it has to be solved. We're not gonna tell God how to be God. Because most of the time what we do is that we don't pay attention to God for 90% of our life and then something happens and we say, you better do this right now and it has to be answered in this way and healing has to look this way or I don't want to talk to you anymore. And usually we haven't been talking to God before that. Ed and Carolyn were asserting that God is in this. God is healer. God will work. But it opens us to prayers of listening as well to, okay, God, what do you want to do? How are you going to heal this? We know that you will. The question before us is, what's the timing of it and what's the form that it will take? Because prayer is about listening and receiving as much as it is about telling. Probably even more so about listening and receiving than it is about telling. Just most of us don't think of it that way. What would it be like to realize that we are sent from this room today like Ed and Carolyn Van Winkle, like Peter and John. That we are sent to our schools and to our camps and to our families to people who are hurting. And that you and I are called to be a healing presence in their life, to be the presence of God. That we are not called to wait. We're not called to avoid uncomfortable situations. We're not called to to hold back. We're not called to put our heads down because we don't know what to say. That you and I are sent The sent ones of God. And that we don't go in going, here's what God's going to do and here's what it's going to look like and we're going to put these demands. What it is is saying, God is here. God never leaves broken places. So let's see what God's going to do with this. And maybe, just maybe, the words, if you listen closely enough, are going to be this. Tell them it's time to stand up and walk. Let's see what God's going to do with this. Leave here today, folks, with hope that God heals brokenness in your life. God will not leave you. And God will use you to be an agent of prayer and healing and wholeness in the lives of others. Let's go into this city this week and let's see what God's going to do with this. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and let's stand those who are able and we'll sing one last song. Lord, we ask that you would use us, speak to us. Lord, we have brokenness in our lives, illness in our lives, maladies in our own lives. Fill us with hope today that we're not abandoned or forgotten, that we're not overlooked, that our children aren't overlooked, that our spouses aren't overlooked, that our loved ones aren't overlooked. We are people, all of us, who have pain. Meet us in that pain with your hope today. And meet us also with our purpose, which is to be sent people who work for the healing and pray for the restoration of all people, of all creation. May we go out and be agents of hope with others who are hopeless, who are broken, who are struggling. May we be your voice of reminder like Peter and John were that God's not done with us yet or not done with anyone yet. We look forward to how we can be used to see what you're going to do with the brokenness that's all around. We pray for this in the powerful, healing, saving name of Jesus Christ. Amen.